Continue our journey through Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. Just going to do two verses today. Well, we're going to read two verses. Make sure I don't be telling you something wrong. <laughs> two verses, 40 41. It says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly, gladly, I have to, gladly, <laughs> wow, received his words, were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Amen. I want to give you this thought today, the outcome, the outcome, and you can be seated. The outcome of what? Well, the outcome of hearing the mess. <laughs> now, when we talked to you last, we ended with uh, Peter telling them uh, what the Lord had said. And they were all, the Bible said, were uh, embarrassed about what they had done. And they asked the question, what shall we do? And Peter responded, he said, repent and be baptized. So we ended up telling you that repentance, the word in the Greek is metanoia, the word uh, means to change our minds and our attitudes. It means to go to a different direction. In other words, we turn from something to something. And we said that when we repent, we turn from a life of sin and we turn to Christ for salvation. And then we went one step further and we said that he said to me to be baptized and we said that baptism was an outward symbol that we had made the change. In other words, we're letting the whole world know that we're different. We're not the same person. Now, we, we look at the, the process of baptism and you'll see that it means that I died with Christ. I was buried with him and I was resurrected again to the newness of life. Amen. So he says, be baptized. And then he goes one step further with this. And he says, uh, for the promises to you and to your children and to all who will far off as many as will call on the Lord. Now, we, we know that the promise is not just to us. As a matter of fact, the promise began with Abraham. Amen. And because we are, uh, by faith, the seed of Abraham, we therefore are heirs to that promise. So the promise is for us, but it's also for those who will follow us. 
Now, one more word about repentance, and then we'll try to move on. Repentance uh, has two aspects to it. We say that repentance changes uh, our past. It changes our past because the past sins are forgiven. We are free and we're no longer bound by those sins. So repentance changes our past. Now, y'all just bear with me because I'm taking a lot of time here to go back, but I want to make sure that we all understand this. It changes our past in the sense that we are forgiven, but it does not change consequences. And we need to understand because a lot of people think, okay, uh, all those sins are behind me now and I don't have to be concerned about that. Well, you don't have to be concerned about the sins, but you're going to have to to be concerned about the wake of the train wreck that you left behind. Amen. 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 You can't pray away consequences. Do you hear what I said? (laughs) So the consequences, listen, it is as though, uh, well, all of us, when you were a child, and you did something that bothered your parents. There was a wall there, but you couldn't see it. You, you know what I'm saying? They're looking at you like, what in the world? What you? And then one day, one day, you come to your senses and you repent. Now, all the damage that you did is still there. But the relationship with the parents has been restored. So you have to understand that consequences don't go away. Amen. Because we get so spiritual sometimes we, you know, we spiritualize everything that went wrong. Well, I did it, but it was under the blood. Okay, that's a lie. That's what folks say from the pit of hell. I don't know. I don't know where the pit of hell is, but. uh, You do understand, you do understand that consequences matter. Now, why is he talking so much about this? Because I want you to know that if you stop now, there are less consequences. You know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like having a credit card. You know the bill is too high. And you already know you can't pay it. So stop charging. (laughs) And then I said repentance affects your future. It It affects your future. What do you mean it affects my future? I've been forgiven. And because I've been forgiven now, I can receive the promise. There's nothing standing between me and God and his purpose for my life. So at that point in time, I can achieve what God has called me to do because I have been forgiven as a result of my repentance. Amen. Amen. So you notice that we spend a lot of time talking about repentance, both past and future. But here's the key. If I am forgiven, then I can live in the present so that I can have a future. It's important that we understand that. Uh, Your future begins right now. What you're doing today, this moment is going to affect what happens the rest of your life. Amen. Wow. Now, the Bible goes on to say one more thing about this 
And I'm going to get there in, in a moment. But it says that the promises to all, all as uh, excuse me, as many as the Lord will call. Now, we says that nobody comes to Christ unless he draws them. So it is a round robin. God says, I need to save these people. The Holy Spirit then puts in the heart of man to receive what God has already said. And when they receive it, then God then receives what they said and it accounts, accounts it to them for salvation. So God draws and then God provides the salvation. But here's what I, I said to you last week. It is God's initiative. God is the one who initiates your salvation. Amen. Amen. So the promises for those who are far off. But but we have to understand that the promise is not N.O.T. not not for those who will not hear. Don't think because you're sitting in church and you hear a message that everybody hears exactly the same thing. In case you haven't figured it out, it doesn't work that way. There are some people who just won't hear the gospel message. Amen. Then there's others who hear it, but they will not obey it. That's why a lot of people, some of you sitting here right now, you're hearing a message for somebody else. You don't know that it's you. But you figured out exactly who it's for because I, I, I saw it. I seen them do this right here. When in reality, the message is for you. You will not obey because you haven't heard. The Bible says faith comes by not having heard, but hearing a continual hearing. Amen. And the Bible says that. It is always for those whom God himself will call in his gracious providence. Amen. Now, hearing can't come unless God sends the word. The word can't be ministered unless God sends a minister. And the minister has to preach the word in order for you to hear it and receive it. And when you hear it and receive it, now you can be saved. A lot of, lot of moving parts, but it all works. And it all begins with God's drawing. Amen? So, now that we've come full circle, we'll look at what the Bible says uh, about us now. It says we come full, full circle, uh, first with the promise of Joel. If you notice that, that the uh, call from Joel was mentioned both in Acts and in Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then it says that that promise is accomplished by Jesus because God made him Lord. Acts 2.36, the Bible says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God uh, has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And then the Bible says that this message is accomplished by Jesus. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> he, 
humanly appropriated. I just told you, it's humanly appropriated when one is baptized in the name of Jesus. In other words, when, when do I know that I got it? When I, I surrender, I submit to, to baptism. I know that something has happened. And then the Bible says uh, in uh, Acts 2.39 that the assurance of the gift of salvation is for all uh, whom the Lord will call. That's the promise to his children. So that is the full circle of what uh, uh, Peter, excuse me, Peter is preaching and Luke is writing. Are y'all still with me? So now we get down to verse 40 where we said we were going to read. <laughs> now it's interesting that, that um, Luke begins this by saying, and with many other words, he testified and exalted. Now here's what he's saying. We have excerpts of the message. Okay, y'all. We don't have the full message. All we have is what was pertinent to what we were dealing with. The full message is not ministered here. I don't know what the message is. Don't ask me. <laughs> I only know what's given. But I do know that it, it is not given in its entirety. So, so that Luke makes sure that we know that there were many other words. Amen. Amen. But then he says this now, and, and this is the, the part that, that, that kind of strikes home. He says, be saved from this perverse generation. Wow. What's he talking about? When he talks about a perverse generation, he's talking about every generation from the time he spoke to now. No, let me go back. He's talking about every generation from Adam. <laughs> just, just to make it plain so we know. From the time that people began to sin. And you know, the amazing thing is, is that we've had thousands of years of practice <laughs> to perfect sin. And isn't it interesting that in all these years that nobody has perfected it yet? Because we still come up with, <laughs> with new stuff all the time. Amen. But what he's saying is, is that we have to be on guard against the sinful world that we live in. If you can imagine, and, 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 and y'all just bear with me because sometimes my imagination is a little weird. And you don't really want to get up in here because... It's a dangerous place to be. But here's what, here's, here's, what I, here's what I imagine. As believers, we stand on the precipice of a great pit. And if you could believe for a moment that gravity could be altered, if you were to fall into the pit, if you could just slow down enough as you went down in the pit, you would be able to see every sinful, diabolical thing in the world drifting into darkness. Your mind would be messed up. And that's exactly what happens to us when we play around in the world. See, we're always standing and, and, and sometimes we get too close to the edge. Hmm? 
the first thing you have to do to be delivered from that pit. First thing, this is so simple that you're going to be mad with me, but change your friends. I didn't say you had to move. You don't have to get a new job. Just change friends. That's it. Just change your friends. We talked in uh, Rocky Mountain a couple, I don't know where I've been, so I don't know when I spoke, but at some point in time I was in Rocky Mountain <laughs> and I talked about influence and how you make influence immortal. And the way it works is it's, it's, it's the effect that you have on other people and the effect other people have on you. Uh, I was, we were in uh, Myrtle Beach this week at a conference and uh, one of the speakers was uh, Naomi Tutu. That's Bishop Desmond Tutu's daughter. Wonderful speaker. But she, she cited this proverb. Now you're going to help me get it right because she said, I don't know. She said, a person can only become a person through other people. Do you hear that? A person can only become a person through other people. The way that influences play on us changes who we are. And if our influence is negative, guess what our attitude is going to be? Then another speaker said this. I, I, I listened. You know. I don't remember her name. But she said this. You are the sum total of the five people you're closest to. Mm -hmm. Think about it. <laughs> what five people are you close to and what effect are they having on, on your life? Yeah, that's, that's one of those moments, right? Like, hmm. But between those two, two uh, 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 sayings, I was just in my mind thinking the simplest way to change is change your friends. Now we all had to do it. Listen, we either do it willingly or we do it kicking and screaming. Hmm? Sometimes it takes a trip to the hospital. Sometimes you get incarcerated. Sometimes you lose your job. Hmm? Sometimes you lose your house. All is a result of the influences on your life. When I was younger, I had friends who wouldn't pay their bills. I know I was raised differently, but I was hanging with them. Y'all say, well, wait a minute. What's one thing got to do with the other? Now, don't act like you haven't been young. 
What most people don't understand is it takes a lot of money to party. You can't pay your bills and hang in the club, too. Now, some people think they can, but those are the ones who are outdoors. <laughs> and while I'm on the subject, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get back to this. Did you all see, uh, it was in, in the, on the news, that any alcohol use before age 40 is detrimental to your health. A-N-Y. Now, I, don't, I know they didn't have, you, you didn't have to have a, a medical degree to figure that out, but. But it isn't, isn't it amazing that some authority has discovered you shouldn't drink before 40. And every young child right now saying, I'll be glad when I get to be 21. Perhaps we should reprogram it. Make them think, I'll be glad when I get 40. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm not trying to, 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 to tell you something you don't already know. Uh, not, not everybody drinks, okay? And I'm just using drinks, and we got some other stuff too. But, but think about it. If you had had a drink or two or three or 50, uh, how much money you would have between 21 and 40? And that's all I'm going to say about that. Everybody going, carry the two. <laughs> now listen, let me get back to the message. Now this is about the, the birth of the church, really. And the Bible says that uh, here in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 41, says those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, you know, there's been millions of books written and seminars uh, carried out through all the ages teaching you how to build a, a church and how to have more members and how to give, raise more money. And, and, uh, and the only people who are profiting by that is the people who wrote the books. Amen. The only one who can tell you how to do it is God. And here's what God says to do. God says, watch this now. He says, uh, continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What? Fellowship, breaking bread, and in prayers. What? That's it? That's it. That's it. Two things that we don't do as, 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 as emphasis churches is uh, we, don't, we do not capitalize on prayer. We don't make prayer the prime function in church. And that's because through the years, we have had prayer meetings where everybody prayed to each other, but nobody prayed to God. We didn't have the knowledge to reach God. 
So we start saying crazy stuff. Lord, go by the hospital. <laughs> go in the sick room. What is that? What kind of prayer is that? Because you can just go to the hospital. And you can just go in the sick room. But you want God to do that. Listen, the, the, by its very nature, prayer is not directing God. It is a conversation with God. And the only way that you know you have prayed effectively is you give him a chance to say something. We're good about telling folk what to do. Huh? <laughs> so the Bible said that 3,000 souls were added in that one day. And now that you've got 3,000 souls, what do you do with them? If we had 3,000 new members today, uh, we'd be in a mess. I'm about to tell a story, and I don't want to tell any stories because I've already taken up a lot of time going in a different direction. But I do want to understand that uh, we have had thousands of members, literally, what, 10,000s of members. But if you don't have the infrastructure to deal with folks, you can't, you can't handle it. You can't handle it. You get them in church. Now, this is just stuff I've seen. You get them in church, preach your heart out. They go out in the parking lot and cuss each other out. So now you got to adjust your prayer. Lord, send them away. <laughs> no. <laughs> Even though I felt like it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so the Bible says that we ha in order to grow the church, we have to do it God's way. Now, if you remember early on in church, uh, Acts chapter six, I believe it is. Uh, they had to appoint some deacons. I remember that. I ain't going to talk about it today. But but you have to build a structure for what you expect to accomplish. And just having folk randomly running around doing stuff is chaos. So when you, as a young pastor, you say, I want a big church and I want a whole lot of members. Be careful what you ask for. Amen. I remember uh, years ago, I said to my stupidity, I want to be able to raise a million dollars a year. And the year we hit a million dollars, we had so much chaos. I said, Lord, <laughs> if we could just go back. <laughs> Amen. Let me go back to what I'm supposed to be talking about. Okay. So the early believers, the Bible said, were people who gladly received the word. Now, when the Bible says that they gladly received the word, that means they were excited about what they heard. Now, uh, let me give you two scriptures. 
and I don't think I gave them to them, so I'm going to give them to you same time they get them. Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 28, Romans 1, 28. <clears throat> it says this, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. In other words, he's saying, if you don't like God, you don't have to like you. Now, he won't dislike you, but he'll say, okay, you don't have a mind to receive what I'm doing. Amen. The other scriptures in 2 Thessalonians. Second uh -huh. Thessalonians in chapter two and verse 10. The Bible says, uh, well, let's go verse nine and then go to it. Verse nine says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders, lying wonders. It says, and with all unrighteous deception, uh, among those who perish, here it is, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Amen? So the Bible is very clear. You can be closed-minded. You can be uh, one of those people who reject the word. Or you can just refuse altogether to believe. But the Bible does say that those who believe, those who believe, those who believe, they received the word and became the first body of believers. That was the first church, those who received Peter's word. <clears throat> now, the Bible says that a true body of believers does not just hear and listen to the words. They're not just present to join the crowd and see what's going on. They do not sit wander with wandering minds and closed hearts. Well, let me get to that again. <laughs> this last one. They do not sit with wandering minds and closed hearts. One more time. Wandering minds. That, that's why I got to do it three times. <laughs> wandering minds and closed hearts. This is the basic trait. The very first trait of a true church is a church is a people, a body of people who have received the word of God. When we come together as a combined unit and we receive the word of God, the Bible identifies us as a church. Amen. It did not define us as a denomination or it didn't even define us as a congregation. It defines us as a church. A church being a living organism that continues to grow and change as it interacts with the word of God. Amen? So we're not done yet. You can't say, 
okay, this is what church is and this is how we do it. Uh, somebody asked me, uh, this is, I don't know where I was. Somebody was asking me about my choir and I said, I don't have one. And they said, you don't have a choir? I said, well, I had one before COVID. But see, now that we understand that things change, sometimes, you know, uh, choirs can be super spreaders. People in close proximity opening their mouths wide. Now, I know that some people still have choirs. That's them. But I'm just telling you why we don't have one. Amen. Now, the Bible says that when we receive God, it is actually receiving the revelation of who God is. Receiving God is the revelation of who God is. Every time I receive the word of God, then something in me connects with that word so that I know exactly who God is and what he wants me to do. That's why you can't reject the word, because now you don't know what to do. Amen. Remember what Ephesians says, that we are God's workmen. We're created in him to do good works. But you can't do that if you don't know what he wants you to do because your heart's not open to receive. So I want to hear as much word. That's why I tell people, you need to be in church. Folks say, well, ah, man, you know, yeah, you need to be in church because church is where you hear enough word that something sticks. Amen. All right, now I'm going to take a, a stab at this. I don't have a clock, so. 12 minutes. Ain't no way I can get this done in 12 minutes. <laughs> okay, I gave you four things, and I'm going to give you those things, and I'm going to give them to you very quickly. 12 minutes worth. Amen? <laughs> So the first church, uh, did, they had four activities. The first was their devotion to the apostles' teaching. The church was learning truth from God's word. Now, remember, they only had a half a Bible. Y'all understand what I'm saying? They only had the Old Testament, but it was, it was coming, okay? But the Bible says this. It says that, write this in your notes in case I miss it. You cannot grow Beyond what you know. It is impossible for you to be able to achieve great things when you've done no things. People become great because they attempt great things. Y'all understand this? So if your, uh, your scope is limited, to being able to walk and chew gum at the same time, you might be operating right at your max. The teachings <laughs> teaching of the apostle uh, was to give God's perspective on every matter. So the word of God, why you come to church right now is because you can get a different perspective uh, uh, on, on what's being taught. God is telling us, this is how I think. This is what I believe. This is how I feel. Because he's put it all right here for us. Amen. Now, the second thing, look at that, I was there, number one was quick. Second thing, they devoted themselves to fellowship. That is mutually sharing uh, the life of Christ within the family of God. When we get together, we don't have to quote scripture, but we ought to be talking about God. 
even if you don't say I'm talking about God. You should be telling folk about the goodness of the Lord. Hmm? When you go home this afternoon, you say, man, I heard something about a person not being a person except through other people. Say that, that was good. But you learned something. Oh. Mm. The Bible says, and, and, and let me give you all of these at one time, and then you just write it down. We'll talk about it some other time. It says that uh, <clears throat> we are called to love one another. John chapter 15, verse 12. We have to carry each other's burdens. That's uh, Galatians 6 and 2. We have to forgive one another. That's Ephesians 4, 32. And to encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Amen. Now, a disconnected Christian is a disobedient and unfaithful and unfruitful, excuse me, Christmas. Christian. I don't know why I want to be a Christmas, because I got Christmas on. <laughs> Let me read it again and read it right this time. A disconnected Christian is a disobedient and unfruitful Christian. We're all connected. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says we're all part of the same body. We're connected. If my little finger hurts, it stops my whole body. Amen. A lot of times what happens to us, uh, well, I don't say us because I don't want to talk about y'all. I'll say that what happens to me is that if I have a pain, the pain will not just restrict my mobility, it restricts my ability to think properly. That's why you have to fight through pain. Amen. Number three, the Bible says the church regularly prioritizes worship reflected in the breaking of bread. Worship is a priority. We should be always thinking about uh, someone who is greater than us. Worship recognizes that there's somebody who is worthy of our praise. Amen. Worship is the recognition and celebration of who God is, what he has done, and what we are trusting him to do. What are you expecting from God? Well, you can find it in the worship. Amen. There's a song that we used to sing. It's called It's All in the Worship. And that's where it's it. In the midst of worship is where you can get your healing and deliver. We saw that today already. It's all in the worship. It's in the worship. Amen. So the, call, the church is called to make a big deal uh, out of worship because it, it deserves to be that way. We, we, if, if we don't learn how to come together in a worshipful manner, then we're never going to be able to accomplish the things of God because we're not going to be able to get along with each other. There's a point in time where we have to be focused on God and not each other. And that's how we get to be able to do the things that God has called us to do. Number four, the church was clearly engaged in outreach. What do we mean by outreach? It means that because every day the Lord added to the number. Look at verse 47. He said, that uh, the Lord added to the church daily. So people were being saved because people who were saved were telling people about being saved. 
Let me say it again. People were being saved because people who were saved were telling folk. When's the last time you told somebody? In other words, the Bible says they were living out their faith publicly. Everybody could see that there was something different in them. Amen. Some people, uh, (laughs) I should say it that way. I have to catch myself sometimes. The anointing draws, okay? The anointing draws. Uh, And sometimes, most particularly if you're a pastor, it gets to be a problem. Because you can't go nowhere, you can't. I love it when people stop me and say, you know, uh, there's something about you. I need to have a conversation. And I'm thinking, I, I don't have time. <laughs> but, but you, you know, you know, you have. <laughs> oh, I just had a thought. But okay. As a result of these activities, these four activities, everyone in the church was filled with awe and experiencing Wonders and signs. Now, when the Bible says all, it's a reverential fear of God. When you see a sign, you ought to understand that God is mightier than you. And you couldn't do that. Only God could do that. Amen. And that, if nothing else, should prompt you to worship. Amen. So the Bible says when things are unified, the Holy Spirit does amazing things. Amen. So here it is. The church was unified. Verse 44. It was it magnified itself. Verse 47. And then it multiplied. Verse 47. Unified, magnified, multiplied. Amen. It had a powerful testimony among the unsaved, not only because of the miracles done by the apostles, but also because of the way the members of the fellowship loved each other and served the Lord. Now, let me just comment on that and then we're done. Fellowship is about how you love one another. Quick review of something we taught you some time ago. Koinonia, Koinonia, which is, is, is Christian fellowship, is the highest form of relationship. If we can practice love for one another through the Holy Spirit, then we can demonstrate our love for God. If I can love the image of God in you, then I can love God. But if I can't love you, who is created in his image and proclaiming himself in you, then I apparently can't love God. We assume that loving God's people is always good and perfect. That is not true. 
We don't love people because of how they behave. We love God because we're obedient. We love his people because we are obedient to his word. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? You don't love somebody because you like them. You love them because you're commanded to do so. We cannot have fellowship if we can't get along. We cannot exhibit Christ if we can't get along. Now is the time when you can say, okay, that's under the blood. Because whatever your disconnect with me is, should be placed under the blood. And I don't know who told you all this, but I'm here to, as folks say, to debunk it. There is a, I call it a kingdom lie. (laughs) That somewhere we are told that we have to fake it till we make it. If you continue to fake it, all you'll learn how to do is. That's why so many of us can't get along because we pretended we could get along when in reality. We didn't want to. The question I'll close with today is why wouldn't you love your brother or sister? And of course, the answer would always be is you don't know what they did to me. And my next question to you would be, what did you do to Christ? All right, guys, we pray that you got something out of this word today. This series on the Holy Spirit has been phenomenal. Uh, we're excited about what God is doing through this series, and uh, we anticipate great things in your life as well. But listen, you might be watching today, and you might not have yet had the opportunity to accept Christ as your personal Savior. I want to extend that opportunity to you right now. It's as simple as ABC. First, admit that you're a sinner. Secondly, believe that Christ died for your sins. And thirdly, confess that he is Lord over your life. It's very simple. If that's something that you're interested interested in or maybe you're interested in recommitting join me in this prayer right now okay it's simple let's say father I thank you for this opportunity of forgiveness thank you for giving your life for me thank you for shedding your precious blood for me I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my master. I give my life totally to you. So now, I confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart, that when Jesus was raised from the dead, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.
Welcome to the Kingdom family, y'all. This is a family like none other, okay? This family is an awesome family. The angels in heaven are rejoicing on your behalf. They are throwing a block party in your honor because our family member has come home. Listen, guys, if you prayed that prayer with us today, I need you to text the word saved to the number here on the screen, 252-627-9900. Text saved to 252-627-9900, okay? We want to connect with you. We want to pray with you. We want to send you some resources that will help you in this faith journey uh, to make sure that you have solidified yourself in this walk. We just want to partner with you and uh, be in community with you, okay? Um, we're not trying to recruit church members, but we will help you find a church if you so desire. Hey, and if you're in the area and want to come check us out, by all means, please come and do so. We just want to make sure you're someplace planted where you can grow and flourish and be the all that God has for you to be, okay? All right, that's it for me today. I got to get out of here, but you guys, thank you so much for being with us today. We so enjoy every time that you stop by. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule uh, to worship with us today, all right? Y'all have an amazing week, and just in case your week is not so amazing, make sure it has an amazing you in it. Until next time, God bless you, we love you, and we will see you.